0: Because I don't know if you, they help two groups of kids. One group of kids that actually come every day of the week or locals in Antigua itself. And then they also have two other groups that come down from a small village called Elato. El and those two days that they have those two group of kids are the days that I actually am able to help them. And I've visited Elato El before. I mean, when I was in October, I actually stayed there a the night before. And this small village is dirt floors, tin, tin tin walls and roofs and really harsh living conditions. I mean, the kids actually stay in the same bed with their parents. They only have one bed, and I can't imagine growing up in conditions like that. But at the same time, when I was helping these kids, these kids are the most happiest and joyous kids I've ever seen. When they would come down to be a part of this program, we would help them. They would first come, they would eat lunch, they would do their little studies for the school that they are attending, the homework and everything. And then after that, we'd take them, if, they, if we have time, we'd go to a local park and have fun with them and play and just let them be kids. Because in all honesty, when they're at home, they don't have that opportunity just to be kids. Their parents really would rather have them stay at home and work instead of go to school. And having this project, to be able to help with this project and help and play with these kids and let them be able to experience joy and fun, its it's been amazing. Now, then, the other pl- project—the the, the reason why I went down there, New Last School in Guatemala, the school I was helping—it uh, was I was so blessed to be able to partake in that five days a week. Oh, it was so good because we would take the kids from other classes. This this school was actually taking kids from kids with whatever reason. If they can't really be successful in school for whatever reason they may have, they would take them in and help them in here. Because if they fail in two for two years in school, they cannot continue school anymore. So this program, this school would actually take them in and be able to work with them specifically. They had more teacher student ratio, so it worked out better that way. But my class that I was specifically helping in, we would take the real the, the special needs, the like with autism and others other disorders like that, and we would take them and be able to work with them separately. Uh the teacher that I was helping is from the states, from Texas, really, I think. And we'd be able to specifically work with them one-on-one. And it was amazing because I remember this one girl, Griselda, she wasn't able to speak a word of Spanish at all. And she's, oh goodness, 10? But by the time that I left, which was actually just halfway through the school year, she was able to say, like, hola, hablar, and a few other words like that. And which she would actually say at the right times, it wasn't just be able to say words here and there, it was actually... Truly, be able to start communicate with people, because these kids that don't have the ability to communicate, they, they oh, <laughs> when they don't like something, <laughs> uh. oh good pictures. Okay, <laughs> this is actually with the Jeremiah Project. These are the kids that we went to. The last day that I was with them was the uh, mid-year vacation. Oh, this is uh the background there is actually the t- their home. That is their kitchen, I think. They would have a little stove there. Most actually, there's a chimney on top of that. Most of their kitchens don't have chimneys. They just let the smoke go into the area and go out the door. It's crazy. (laughs) This is a new life school in Guatemala. The little, the girl on the left is Makaya. She was part of that special needs class that I was helping with. And these are their mothers. These are the type of clothes that they wear. These are the kids. This is uh, during Mother's Day. I think they're having a performance for Mother's Day. The little boy in the middle, I don't know if you can see him so well, is named Howell. And he is the cutest kid. He's eight, had, I think, autism, I think. And uh, he's he's the funnest. Though when he, he gets upset, he gets upset. <laughs> These two are also kids of the, that program I help. Uh, sorry, the class I help. Ronald on the left, Susanna on the right. Uh, that, okay. Ronald actually doesn't really... He can speak, but he chooses not to. I don't know the reason why, but he's very passive, very quiet. But by the time I was able to be there, I was able to get to know him, be able to connect with him pretty well. And he, he likes Lincoln Logs pretty well. <laughs> As I said, I didn't connect so much with. Okay. That's Johanna. She, um, I'm not quite... They don't really have defined um, uh, disabilities. Their dis- disabilities are not titled. They're not named. So we just work with them the way what they need. And this girl, she do- she, it's hard for her to y- use scissors to do any hand-eye coordination, do much of anything like that. But she is, as you can see, a very happy girl. <laughs> uh, that's Roman there standing next to me. He is 12 years old and is only in his second year of school. He never really had the chance before because his parents were having him work at home instead. But the school that was working at connected with the parents and actually talked to them and made them agree to send him to this. Though at the same time, because he's never been in school for this long, he's very difficult to work with and doesn't work well in a class setting. He's just been at home playing and so it's very hard for him to learn structure. Being able to be in our class has actually been allowed him to have structure in some form and be able to teach him, because there's fewer kids, we could able, we work with them better that way. OK. Ah, uh, this is Griselda. This is the girl I was talking about that barely spoke any words before and was able to speak four words at the end of it. But it, it, even, her story is even more amazing than that because, well, oh, in, in a bit of a sad and glorious way, because when she was born, her parents decided to actually starve her to death. They didn't want to have her, and so they are planning to just let her fade away. But uh, the teachers of this school talked to the family, and they're, 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 the, the teacher's heart intention was, let's remove this little girl from this family and take her away so we, could, so we could protect her. But God's plan was a bit different. God actually changed the parents' hearts, where they actually fell in love with the daughter again, and they caring for her and sending her to school. She, Yeah, her life could have been so... Cut, so cut short but as you can see there too she's a she's an extremely happy joyful girl okay so this is the last of the pictures actually this is just a a view from the house i stayed in october and my last n- fun picture if you could show that one mcdonald's <laughs> this is mcdonald's here the best mcdonald's i've ever been to <laughs> okay and the last picture, ah, beautiful view. Those are two volcanoes over there to the bottom left. So I'm actually planning to go back to Guatemala this coming August. About mid-August, the, the flight's not been uh, bought yet, but very soon I'll be able to do that. I'm planning tomorrow to start on that process. But uh, the teacher that I was helping, she's going to be starting a, a community home she 's going to be taking disabled adults in, and I'll be working as a caretaker during that during the night times and uh, if I wasn't able to do that, she wouldn't be able to continue teaching at the new Life school in Guatemala. She would just focus on the um mm-hmm. the project that she's making this is it's just at the beginning it's going to be starting next month really so It's been crazy, even though that it's been step-by-step going to help there and then coming here, then going back there again. It's all one plan. And I'm really thankful to to the Lord for that and for you guys. So thank you again for helping me and being my church family to back me up. So thank you.
1: Mm -hmm? So you're going in August? Yes, yes, I am. And, um... We, as he was gone this this last time, you know, a number of you supported him. Yes, and we, you know, he's so grateful for that. I don't know how we lived in Guatemala. And we saw a lot of missionaries come in. Brian may have been the cheapest missionary that that have, that I've ever seen. He was able to to live on. We had calculated it was much less than f- about 400 a month. Yeah, including um, his rent, his food, his travel everything he needed four hundred dollars a month and so um so you would you just be in prayer about if you would if you those of you would, were supporting if you'd continue to support him um even while he's here in this short amount of time he's not going to be able to work a lot so we're going to continue to support him all the way through this next month and then when he leaves but uh you know and if if those of you who ha- weren't supporting if you want to get on board for about 400 dollars a month we can impact kids and adults for jesus in sending him down and, and uh, it's just amazing and of course for those who are saying what about me going we'd love to talk to you about that too because there's yeah. a lot of opportunities oh yeah <laughs> so anyways <laughs> um do you have any paperwork or information or sign-up sheets or anything
0: yes yeah, so i do have some shiny sign-up sheets in the back along with some stuff that i brought back from guatemala that i'm i'm selling to you guys for a bit of a donation. And it's just an example not example, that's not the word I was It's a sample of what I can bring back for the next time. When I come back here, I want to know what, what is good, what would you guys like for me to bring back? There's various other stuff down there available, but I brought a, a small portion. So take a look at it and see what you like.
1: Yeah, and, and even with that it's you know the typical traje and the and the different um types of material that that he has. It, this is this fundraiser is really what it is, but you might even say, "You know what? I have this girls' group or I have this guy 's group or whatever that that we meet with, and I bet you every one of them would want a Bible cover if you go to a Berean bookstore and you buy a Bible cover you 're going to spend fifteen or twenty dollars, so could you know or even more, so you could come out there and say, Well, I may even put an order in and he could bring them back, and he you know he picks them up for just a few dollars. these are all handmade, but then they can go to support. Um, support the ministry he's doing. And also he shops at a store that's run by Christians. And so I showed him which one to go to. And (laughs) anyway, so those are some of the ways you can get on, on board as you continue to pray for him. Thanks.
0: Yeah. Thank you guys so much. Truly.
1: When I see the pictures and hear the stories my heart beats a little bit faster. Jane, Ashley know what I'm talking about, I'm sure. Living in China. Um, you know, anyone who's gone uh, to a missions, uh, even a short term missions trip, uh, raise your hand if you've ever done a, a short term missions trip. So there's a number of us in here. You get bit. That's all I can say. Is you get bit and your life is changed, and and it's it's great. In fact, we've said for many years that when you go on a missions trip, you really get ruined because your life will never be the same again, and it's it's great. In just a couple of minutes, we're going to receive an offering, and so you can begin to get ready for that, and you can write your checks out, of course, to Big Bear Christian Center, but this. This past week, I read a story, and I just want to share it with you as we prepare for the offering, and it was a couple years old, but a, a contractor in Cleveland, Ohio, was working on a house, and uh, the, the, it had been owned for different generations, but some new, new owners were in there, and he was doing some remodeling, and he broke down a wall, and in a wall of this house was $182,000 that was hidden there from the depression time and there was some rare bills even in there the value the money was 182 but some of the bills themselves were actually more valuable than than their face value because um there were some the age of them and i believe there was even like a a thousand dollar bill from you know from that era and so it was valuable can you imagine finding cleaning up your garage, and finding $182,000 that was in your home the whole time, but you didn't even know it existed. I've lost some of you going, I want to imagine that. <laughs> I really, really, I don't want to just imagine that. You know, but, yeah, yeah. this is not a story to go home and start remodeling. <laughs> but, you know, this story really, I, I, it reminds me, it connects me to Malachi chapter 3 that says that if we give sacrificially and generously that God will open the windows of heaven and pour out such an unimaginable blessing upon us. And that's what the scripture says. It's not just my words, but it's the only time in scripture that actually says God says, you can test me in this. And he's going to pour out a blessing as we give sacrificially, generously to God and to the kingdom of God. Give, he says, and see if I won't bless you. So that's such a principle of God that we want to, want to hear. Generous giving positions, positions us to receive blessings that we don't know are waiting for us. I'll say it again. Generous giving positions us to receive blessings that we don't even know are waiting for us. When you give intentionally, when you give generously and often sacrificially, you're putting yourself in a position to receive a blessing from God that you might not receive if you don't give, even according to what Malachi 3, chapter 3 says. Just like this contractor what what an amazing adventure to open up there was a blessing waiting for him now the end of the story is like in case you go and google it that the contractor and the woman began to discuss how they would you know do this money together and 21 relatives of the original owner of the house all came out of the woodwork and made a claim to the money as well and and so but that's, a, that's another message we can talk about maybe in greed and things like that as everyone was started running out of the, uh, the woodwork to get that. But even as our ushers come and we pass around the offering bags, let's just pray and say, God, help me to give generously, sacrificially today. Lord, I don't do this in my own, but your word says that you'll pour out a blessing, and God, help me to receive that blessing. Can we do that? Father, in the name of Jesus, as we give, we give today in faith, knowing, believing your word that says that you will take care of us and not that you'll take care of us, that you will pour out a blessing that will overflow, that is unimaginable. God, we thank you for the work of the kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Could we turn maybe to white on the lights or even get just a... There we, there we go. Praise the Lord. Put out on the sign this week, and those on Facebook who's, who saw last night, this, this morning's message is titled, What Kind of Woman Are You? Last week we talked to the men and and addressed that same question, What Kind of Man Are You? So this morning... I'm going to be speaking to the women. Like I said last week, men, you can listen in. In fact, it's very important because this message does relate to us. It uh, affects us. But it also is so important for us to understand women also in just a small way. Now, I did get a... After I put on Facebook last night, I said, what kind of woman are you? Come and find out in the morning. Well, last week it was funny. I put... What kind of man are you? Come find out. And uh, a a young girl who used to attend a church, she's not as young as she used to be, obviously. She says, I'm a man? I didn't know that, Pastor Rob. But, uh, you know, so, but last night, as I put, what kind of woman are you? Come and find out. Somebody wrote, I'm getting a little nervous. I'm getting a little nervous. You might be this morning going, I saw the sign. I saw the sign that says, What kind of woman are you? And you might have already begun to be nervous. We answer that question. You answer that question quickly, probably. Now, we always try to be biblical. And so you may have said, What kind of woman I began to run through? Or am I like Sarah, Abraham's wife, like Hagar? Am I like Deborah, the the judge? How about Mary or Martha? Which one am I? Am I like Mary, the mother of Jesus? Begin to probably question, what kind of woman am I? You might go to the fairy tales and say, am I like Cinderella? Some of you say, yeah, I'm always washing the floors and people picking on me. Am I like Snow White? Sleeping Beauty, or Mulan, the warrior princess. Are you like, am I like, you might be asking, am I like Laura Bush or Barbara Bush, or Barbara Eden, or Barbara Billingsley, for some of you older ladies who might remember who that was, leave it to Beaver's mom, or Barbara Streisand. am I more like Sarah Palin or Sarah Lee? <laughs> what kind of woman am I? And we can have jokes and we can think about it, but ladies and us men too, we ask, what, who am I? What kind of person am I? Ladies, what kind of woman am I? You think, if there were seven dwarf fets? Some of you think this way, I would either be dumpy, grumpy, or frumpy. (laughs) And you giggle, but some of you said, that's me. This morning, the question is not, who do you think you are? The question is, what kind of woman are you? And I believe that most of you in here do not believe that you are the kind of woman that you are. You've believed a lie. You haven't believed the truth. Jesus once asked his followers a question. This morning we're going to ask, and we need to ask Jesus the same question that Jesus asked his disciples. We're going to ask that question, we're going to ask it together. And we're not going to allow you to answer it for him. We're not going to allow your past, your experiences, your filters, or your hurt to answer this question. We're not going to allow your mom, your trainer, the dietitian, or the devil to answer this question. We're going to allow God to answer it. And that's a commitment that you have to make. I need to allow God to answer this question for me. What question did Jesus ask his followers? It was two-part. And it was really intended to focus his disciples on the second part. Who do people say that I am? Remember he asked that. Who do people say that I am? You may ask that question often. You probably ask yourself the question, who do people say that I am? You ask yourself that. And then you answer, do they think I am? Put in your adjective. You know the question. You know how it goes. Do they think that I'm fat, skinny, funny, weird, mean, strong, weak, part of the gang, an outsider? You've asked the question. You've answered it time and time again. Unfortunately, some of us, some of you, perhaps or even most likely, most of us do not have a good answer to that question. We don't have a good answer. More importantly, we don't have the right answer. A good answer, the right answer may never have been given to you. So you've been left to yourself. And to those who've answered the question for you. All your life they've answered the question. Even before you asked it. No, you're not pretty. No, you don't have what it takes. You're mean. You're dumb. You're different. And so you've lived your life with the answers to that question and Many of you today are sitting in this room a product of those answers that have been given. But there is good news. There is good news coming. We're going to move on to the second half of that question. The question that Jesus asked his disciples. Remember, he asked first, who do people say that I am? And then he focused it in. he said, who do you say that I am? He wanted to know really what they thought. Today, we're going to ask Jesus the question he asked us. We ask the first part all the time. I wonder what people say that I am. This morning, we're going to say, Jesus, who do you say that I am? That's so important to know what Jesus says about you this morning. Now, some people have suggested this question is completely out of line. It's unfitting. I've brought this question up. Other people have brought this question or this line of reasoning up, asking God to tell us about ourselves. Some people even said that that's an ungodly question. How can we ask God such a, a question? Are we saying, prove your love to me, God? Instead, we should ask things like, how have I glorified you, Father? Am I living in a manner that brings you praise? I want to respond to that in case that's anyone in this room who says that's not the right question. We should never ask God to prove His love for us. We should never ask God to prove His love for us because He already did that. He doesn't have to prove His love for us. He's already done that. That's not the question though. The question being asked Already has been answered. Who do you say that I am? The problem is, is. Many people don't hear the answer. We ignore the answer. We don't understand the answer. Or most likely. We didn't agree with the answer. That was given. When God answered it for us. We couldn't receive. That God was speaking to us. You. You. Ask the question, God tried to answer it, and you couldn't or wouldn't receive God's answer to you, but he answered it. And you can't go on from that question and ask the other questions that maybe people would suggest. They're good questions. Those are good questions. How have I glorified you, Father? That is a great question. We should should be concerned, have I glorified you? Am I pleasing to you, the reason that that's not a good starting question is until you understand who God says you are, you will answer the question, God, have I glorified you? And the answer will come, no, you are incapable of glorifying me. And many of you have had that answer in your heart. And it came from you, it came from your past, and it came from the devil himself. God, am I pleasing to you? Are you crazy? Your voice tells you, of course you're not pleasing to me. You've never been pleasing to anybody is the answer that some of you have heard. And that's wrong. And you've been hurt and wounded. People have come into your life and caused you to not hear the voice of God and to question who you are. And who he believes that you are. God has a better answer. God has a wonderful answer for you. That that is the kind of woman that you are. The problem doesn't lie in whether or not that was a good question. Have I glorified you? That was a good question. It's the answer. Our brokenness our filters, Satan himself loves to answer that question. He loves to answer that question. And we can't always differentiate the voice of Satan from the voice of God. And we need to learn how to do that. If we get God's answer to our question, who do you say that I am? If you get, as a woman in here, God's answer to that question, what kind of woman am I? All those other questions will be answered well from God. But until we get a good answer, until we get the right answer from God about that first question, it's hopeless. And I'm not going to do this and I wouldn't do this, but if I were to, to, to be able to say how many women relate to the things I said, I believe that most of you and the men also would even be able to raise their hands And say, you're talking to me, Pastor Rob. Those are the answers that I've told myself over the years. Some of you this morning, as you knew that we might be talking about women, I would, if I were a betting man, would be willing to bet that you said, Oh God, please don't let him read from Proverbs 31. Some of you in jest... And some of you in tears that are held back because you said, I am not a Proverbs 31 wife and I never could be. Pastor Rob, please don't read from Proverbs 31. In preparing this week, all week for this message in prayer and and more prayer and much prayer, knowing that I was going to come and speak directly to precious women of God who need to be treated as the princesses that they are, to be affirmed as God's amazing creation and really the piece de resistance of creation because you were the final thing that God created after everything else. He says, now I'm going to finish it with a glorious touch. I'm going to create woman. Created creation. And man, he says, it's just not enough. It's not right. I'm going to create woman. And that was your name because Adam saw you and went, Whoa, man! (laughs) He was lacking. Creation was lacking until God formed Eve he formed you. You are part of God's desire and creation for this world. You. Not you. 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 Every one of you was God's design to create, to bring life into, to show His glory to the world. When God created man, kind. Male and female, he created them. In his image, it says. There is part of the image of God in every man. And part of the image of God lies within woman. Without you, the world is lacking seeing part of the image of God. You're here to represent him, not to go and do the representation, but to be a glorious representation of God Almighty to the world. You're beautiful, amazing, glorious creations of God. In the process this week of prayer, and thank God, how can I bring your love and healing to the women? I said, I'm going to stay away from Proverbs 31. I'm going to confess, I said that, and I meant it. Because I knew enough that I've heard enough women say, I'm not going to the Proverbs 31 conference, I can't do it. And so I said, okay, Lord. And then I read it again. Who Can Find a Virtuous Wife? Proverbs 31, starting in 10. Her worth is far above rubies. The heart of her husband safely trusts her. He will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax, willingly works with her hands. She's like the merchant ship. She brings her food from afar. She also rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and a portion For her maid servants, She considers a field and buys it. From her profits she plants a vineyard. She girds herself with strength and strengthens her arms. She perceives that her merchandise is good. Her lamp does not go out by night. She stretches out her hands to the distaff. And her hands hold the spindle. She extends her hand to the poor. Yes, she reaches out her hands to the needy. She's not afraid of snow for her household. For all her household is clothed with scarlet. She makes tapestry for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates. When he sits among the elders of the land, she makes linen garments and sells them and supplies sashes for the merchants. Strength and honor are her clothing. She shall rejoice in time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom and on her tongue is the law of kindness. She watches over the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Many daughters have done well, but you excel them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is passing. But a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. This woman does not do these things. She is these things. She doesn't do them. She is them. And inside every one of you, is that valuable, glorious woman whose goal is not to go and try to do these things. Never should we ever, ever put a yoke of such weight, harshness, to say, look like this, do these things and you'll be a good wife. Instead, these things come out from God's purpose for a woman. And you say, but, but that's not what's come out in my life. And that's because in Genesis chapter 3, and ever since, there was a fall. So it was a fall that occurred in mankind, and it affected men and women. When Eve was deceived, she bought into a lie And Adam then chose and he willfully sinned. That changed and we have lived with the brokenness, with the sin of their sin ever since. And it's amazing to me that the lie that Eve believed is what follows women through. Women, men do this too, but I talked to them last week. I yelled at them. So relax. Women, you've believed a lie. And you continue to believe a lie about who you are, about what will make you happy, about what beauty is. And God is going to speak this morning I'm going to pray right now. I'm going to stop and I'm going to pray that we would hear his voice. What? Who do you say that I am? Because Jesus sent his son. God sent his son to redeem us from the curse and to give us a new heart and a new life. Father, right now, Let there be no condemnation because that is not even 1%. But God, I pray that every heart in this room would be open to hearing your words of love, of affirmation. Every ear would hear your words. I come against lies in the name of Jesus. Falsehoods. I come against the enemy of our soul. The hater of mankind. Satan, you cannot lie to these precious women of God. Bring healing. Bring truth. Jesus, we ask. Amen. The lie was caused from a wound and it has perpetuated all through your life. I was thinking of a, of a story and, and if you have grandchildren or, or, or kids in the house, you may have seen this or if you're just a kid at heart, you saw the movie Tangled. I like Tangled. It's kind of a fun story. It's a little spin on Rapunzel. And in this version, this Disney version of the story of Rapunzel, she's trapped away in a tower by an enchantress who needs the power of her hair, Rapunzel's hair, to restore beauty and health to her. And so her whole life, this wicked woman lies to her. It's dangerous out there. You can't make it. And so she spends her whole life believing a lie and stays in her tower until finally the truth comes Mother, you lied to me. You've been lied to about your value, you've been lied to about how to be valuable. And God wants to bring truth. The Bible says you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. Everyone who's ever looked at themselves and said things like, why do I do what I do? Does that because of a wound and the brokenness that the enemy through people brought in. And there's a saying that's true, but we need to break it and not just live it. You are a product of your past. That is true, but that is not where God wants us to remain. We don't have to be a product of our past, but until we begin to look at those things, open ourselves up to the lies, to the wounds, and work through them, we will always be a product of our past. Who does God say you are? What does the Lord think of you? First I want to say something that's that's a huge statement and we haven't heard it a lot in the church. Most of us have heard the passage and have bought into it and repeat it daily. And it's a scripture. The heart is deceitfully wicked. And you look at yourself and you go, I am deceitfully wicked. Because you see the things that have come out, and so therefore you've bought into that. Go with me to Ezekiel. Chapter 37. I thought I was going to be in 37. I might be 27. Let me go to 27. Just one second. I apologize. I remember writing this in my note. Somebody's going to help me in just a moment. They will tell me where it is. I will put a new heart in you. I will put a new heart in you. It's God's covenant with man. I will remove a heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. It could be, I could have been backwards. It could have been 27, 36, but 36, 27. Thank you. There it is, 37, 26. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. When Jesus comes, he makes us a new creation. He says that the old has passed away, all has become new. Your heart as a believer is not deceitfully wicked. It's a good heart. God has given you a good heart. And that heart was made for you by him. We wrestle with flesh and we wrestle with the wounds and the things that cause us pain. But your heart, has been new. It's been made new. You're not bad, evil, dirty, wicked. You're a new creation. God himself saw you before you were saved. While you were yet in your sins, he called you because he he loved you. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Jeremiah 29.11 says... For I know the thoughts I think toward you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you. Thoughts of peace and not of harm. He loves you. He has plans for you. And he looks at you and says, you have a good heart. You're my daughter. You are not who you think you are. You are so much better. So much more glorious. So much stronger. You're a fierce, beautiful woman because I made you in my image. How do we become that? It's a process. It's a process because the transaction was made complete when Jesus died on the cross and you received his sacrifice for your sin. That transaction is is done yet we know that we live in this flesh in this world where we have brokenness and hurt, and the process has to begin in a time like today. Confronted that says you are so much more than you've allowed yourself to be, and you've heard words and received wounds that you need to stop agreeing with, stop. Agreeing with the lies. Proverbs says to buy the truth. Buy it. Do not sell it. Don't get rid of it. Don't let anyone come in and damage the truth. You are incredible, awesome, lovely, fierce, a protector. You at your core are a Proverbs 31 woman, valuable. That is who God created you to be and desires you to become once again. Not a doer of the things, but a beer, a beer of who he is shown to all the world, showing your glory. Bad things happen when we believe the wrong report. Do you remember the children of Israel? They sent the spies in and they came back, and two had a good report. And the ten said, No, don't believe the bad report. The good report is God knows who you are, He knows your hurts. See, I was going to say, even myself, because we've trained ourselves, I was going to say, He knows your weaknesses. Your weakness was caused from a hurt. It was caused from a wound. It's not your fault. Your anger was caused from a wound. And you've agreed with the wound long enough. And you're fighting against it and anger comes out and you yell at your children. The low self-esteem that walks into a room and looks around at all the other beautiful women, and you walk like this, it's caused from a wound. It's not your fault. And the wound, the hurt should have never been given to you. Shame on the people who caused that wound to come. But in order to get past it, it will not happen today. It will not happen today. But it can begin today. It's going to need to happen in community with people who love and will pray for you and encourage you. It's going to happen on a daily basis when the lie comes back in and says, you're no good. You're mean. You're horrible. And you say, no. I buy the truth. I'm not selling it. God says that I'm beautiful. God says that I'm worth it. He loved me so much that he sent his son for me. He created me in his own image and his image is good and he put a new heart in me and that heart is good. I am good in Jesus. I am not wicked. I am not deceitful. And I will no longer agree with the enemy and agree with myself. It's going to happen in that community. It's going to happen on a daily basis. For some of you, there's going to be some other steps to go along with this. You're only going to get so far and you're going to come up against the wall of the person who hurt you. And you're going, to need, you're going to need someone to help you walk through forgiveness and anger. And I want to say this, and I want everyone to hear it. There has been too many times said by Christians, good meaning Christians, just forgive them and move on. Just forgive and move on. I can't even go there today. That is not what you're supposed to do. You need to get some healing. Somebody hurt you, and justice needs to happen. The hurt that was perpetrated against you, women, men, was wrong. It was wrong. And justice needs to be served. The process for you will probably be in a time of praying with somebody, maybe in a small group, but probably one-on-one, working through the issue of dealing with that hurt. But but briefly, it goes like this. In time, God will bring you to a place where you can say, justice needs to be served because I was wronged. But God, I'm going to let you have the power for all the justice. I'm not going to hold on. And require justice to be made by me. Any longer. That's. Forgiveness. The way we've said it in the past. Has made it sound like. What they did to you. Was okay. It was not. So that's part of the process. To begin to. Find out and walk in. Who God says that you are today. He doesn't look at you. I am trying so hard to speak clearly. He doesn't look at you and say, someday you'll be the woman that I want you to be. That's not what I'm saying. He looks at you today and says, you are my precious, amazing daughter, and I love you. When Jesus came onto the scene... He could have quoted so many scriptures about himself. Which scripture did he choose to reveal himself with to the world? Isaiah 61. Isaiah 61. Jesus comes onto the scene and says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. This message... Is heavy, but it's good tidings. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and opening of the prison to those who were bound. He did not come and say, I've come to help them do better, keep my laws. He said, I've come to set them free and to heal them. This is the Jesus who's speaking to you this morning. This is the God who says, I love you. And if you'll allow me access into your hurt, into your heart, I will begin a process of freeing you from the prison that you're in. Healing your broken heart. And helping you to see and know who you are. Oh, God is so good. And the enemy is a liar. Jesus says, I've come that they may have life and life to the full. And I look around the church and say, God, help us. We are not living the abundant life. It's not about outside experiences that he's talking about. It's fullness and abundance here that's going to come from being set free and made whole, healed, and understanding and agreeing with God. I agree with you, Lord. Oh, it can't be done. There's no hope for me pastor you don't know what I've done you don't know who that I am you're right but isn't it amazing that God does and he loves you with an unimaginable love and he didn't say come unto me all ye that labor and get it together and I will give you rest he didn't say that he says come unto me Just come. I'll give you rest. You've been in a battle. You're in a fierce battle for your life, for your mind, for your heart. And the enemy is all over it. And God wants to come and bring freedom. He wants to begin you on a path. Your heart is not wicked. We need to break those agreements and break those things that we said. Ephesians says that Christ dwells in my heart. The Christ that I know would not dwell in a wicked heart. He would not dwell in a wicked heart. Your heart is good. It's beautiful. It's amazing. It's awesome. And what is your heart? It's you. Deep down in my heart, we say. Oh, my heart, in the heart of hearts. What is those statements? That's who you are and God is declaring your heart, you are good. That's the good tidings that Jesus brings this morning. What kind of woman are you? You're amazing. You're lovely. You're good. I'm my beloved and he is mine. I am my beloved. You are the Lord's beloved and he is yours. That's the beginning of the journey. You start this journey. Don't stop. You're not going to find the answer retreating and answering it for yourself again. In community, in safe community where you're loved and be prayed for in the word of God. In his presence. The word of God is so important because we have to compare the lies that we're hearing to what God says and says, you know, I've said this about myself my whole life. And it's not true. It's not true. The journey will begin if you will give access to Jesus to your heart, to the place that needs his healing. Then you, in order to to go further, you'll have to renounce. You'll have to break the agreements that you've made about yourself, about the wound, about the hurt. You know, I really deserved that. I was such a naughty girl. It's all my fault. Renounce that because that's not the truth in this process. And it's not done today by any mean. I want to help you to grant dignity to the wound, the hurt that you had. It was real. Never compare your wound, your hurt, whether it was physical abuse Emotional or mental, sexual. Never compare your abuse and say, what is my problem? I know a girl that was... I should be okay. No. No. What happened to you was wrong. It should never have happened. You deserve to be treated like the princess that you are. Men, you needed to be treated with respect and honor Dignity, the wound is real. Don't underplay it. It's one of the places we get stuck. as you do that, the tears will come. Let them through the process you're going to some of you immediately are already there. I can't go any further. There's someone I have to forgive. Find someone, encourage us so uh, there's a few people who can walk through the process. I'd walk through it with some of you, Susan. Shannon and Una, we've actually gone through this process much as recently. Still going through it. Learning to forgive. And I'm not saying just forgive. No. And then ask God to do what He said He came to do in Isaiah 61. God, come and heal me. And that's going to be down the road. The healing will maybe begin, but it's a long process. The last part is glorious and it's down. The Bible says that he's given you a new name. He's going to give you a new name. The new name that he gives you is not based on what you've done. It's not the name that your parents gave you. It's not the nickname that your parents gave you. It's not the name that you got because of the things that you did in high school or college. He gives you a new name and it's based on what he thinks about you. And you say, God, I want to know your name for me. I I need to know your name for me because the name I know myself by, and you can put in the adjectives, is not from you. Let me know your name for me. Women, what kind of woman are you? Amazing, beloved, beautiful, strong, smart. God has put inside of you his attributes and they are good and you have a good heart. Today as we close, We're going to put on some real quiet instrumental music. And we're going to open up the whole church for prayer. And I'll stay. Susan will stay. And there'll be some people who will stay if somebody needs specific prayer for this issue. To come and sit in this presence. To receive prayer. To pray on your own. Fellowship and visiting outside away from the doors, please. Enjoy fellowship, but let's allow some healing time to occur here for anyone who wants it, man or woman, related to this message. Who does God say that I am? God, I know that you've begun a process this morning. I know that my words have pricked some hearts and maybe opened up some hurt and wounds. You know that I prayed that I would have your mercy and compassion and that I would touch these wounds gently. And I pray that everyone feels that even though it may even begin to hurt now. God, we need to know our new name we need to be set free and healed because we're broken hearted and in prison and broken I'm so thankful that you said that you started a good work we'll be faithful to complete it start a work right now minister Give us the courage to continue on this path that we might discover you and discover ourselves through your eyes. God, give us sensitivity to one another today and every day. Help us to find the truth, to buy that truth and never let it go as you feel it's time be dismissed quietly we're just going to continue to pray anyone who wants specific prayer can you can come you can kneel at a chair or the altar today is a safe place this is a safe place and it's full of God's love